Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. This week, we speak with Terry Etherton, owner of Etherton Gallery, an urban staple for 40 years and about to make a move. Today is May 3rd. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core, and we shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android by using our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. If you want to get us on the show, you can reach us by email, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. That's the same URL. We can find all of our past episodes. You can hit us up on Facebook. And if you want to listen just to the podcast, well, you can find that just about anywhere podcasts are listed, even by asking your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. And we're going to start today's show with a shot in the arm. If you are interested in getting a COVID-19 vaccine, you are in luck. They are becoming more and more available, and uh, there is less hassle to uh, making those appointments. In fact, in partnership with the Downtown Tucson uh, Partnership and Fox Theater, there are vaccines available at the Fox Theater. It started last Friday, and it will continue on the 7th and the 14th. And they are what they call pop-up clinics. So you can just walk in, no appointment necessary, fill out some paperwork, get a shot. And uh, this is for the first shot only of the Moderna vaccine. The uh, second shot will be administered in about a month at the same Fox Theater location. Um, and they will have uh, three dates about a month after you get your first one. So this Friday, the 7th, next Friday, the 14th, shot number one, Fox Theater, a month later. Shot number two, Fox Theater, and uh, it is all walk-in, no appointment necessary. Uh, I happened to go on Friday, and the lines were uh, virtually non-existent. Service was great, and uh, appreciate them bringing that to the downtown area. For more information, I recommend you head over to the uh, downtowntucson.org website. They've got a link for the COVID-19 resources, one of which is get vaccinated, and uh, those are... Uh, uh, all the locations across the city, as well as the pop-up location at the Fox Tucson Theater. And our feature today is uh, not in the theater, but it is in the gallery realm. It is about Terry Etherton and the Etherton Gallery, which has been a staple of the downtown and urban core for about 40 years. Now, Terry Etherton started his photography gallery uh, on a place on 6th, just off of 4th Avenue. After about seven years, moved it to downtown and has been in the same location ever since. But we found out he was moving, and uh, we wanted to catch up with him to find out a little bit about his history and uh, where we can find him once he has relocated. Uh, my name is Terry Etherton. I am the president and owner of Etherton Gallery in Tucson, Arizona. Not just Tucson, Arizona, but in downtown Tucson, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Arizona. And uh, looking at your history, you've uh, you've been part of our. Your first location was on was it on Fourth Avenue? It was on Sixth Street near Fourth Avenue. Okay. And right now, there's a business in there called How Sweet It Was. It's a vintage shop. Okay. <clears throat> so that was my. I was there from '81 to '88. Uh, my landlord, Sal Zagona, who owns Caruso's, just passed a couple weeks ago. He lived to be 100 years old. He was a wonderful landlord. Yeah, we actually did a, a, a brief presentation on, on Sal and, um, uh, and his history in Tucson. It's quite a Yeah, he was, he was a good man. Their whole family is a good family. Yeah, and they've been around uh, since, I think, the 30s. So they another yeah. long-standing client here. But then you moved uh, in, uh, you said 88, so you moved to your current location um, in downtown in 88, or was there something in between? No, it, I, I opened I opened here in the fall of 88. Okay. So, you know, we were so, for seven years at the other location and then uh, moved in here in 88. So we've been here 33 years now. And your gallery is primarily photography? It, it's primarily photography, but not exclusively. We started off the first, I guess, four or five years as primarily a photo gallery because that's my background is film and photography. But, you know, we quickly branched into other media because there were so many extremely talented artists in this area that really didn't have a gallery. So we got approached pretty early about showing painting and prints and so forth. So, you know, within the first two or three years, we were showing a, a lot of different media. But people think of us mostly as a photo gallery because that's how we started. And it's also uh, when we do art fairs around the world, we typically do photography fairs. So people that see us uh, out there in the world see us as a photo gallery. And you said this is part of your background. Are you, are you a photographer or, or what, what is it? Yeah, well, yeah, I went to, uh, I went to school. At, I, I, I ended up getting drafted into the Army right out of high school. And uh, in Carbondale, Illinois, where Southern Illinois University is, um, I came back after the Army and went to Southern Illinois University, and I got a degree. I was a double major, cinema and photography. So that was that's what I did there. And then I I left uh, after I graduated from SIU. I moved to San Francisco, and I got an additional degree there from something called the Center for Experimental and Interdisciplinary Art. So it was, a, it was a really great program at San Francisco State that allowed you to sort of write your own program. And, you know, I dabbled in everything from film and photography to theater and dance and radio and television. It was a, kind of a, a whole media thing. It was really a great program. So, so being a practitioner, what, what drove you in 1981 to decide to open up a gallery to to, to display well I, I had I had spent uh, almost a decade in San Francisco working primarily as a cinematographer I got very very good at shooting film 16 millimeter film occasionally 35 now, today you would do everything that we did then you would do it in video now you would never shoot film but there was no video then so it was film and I did a lot of training in industrial films and documentary films and ended up owning my own equipment so I could be hired out on a day basis on a short notice and come fully equipped with a, a camera, tripods, magazines, and everything. The last project I worked on in San Francisco was one that we did for San Francisco General Hospital, and it involved uh, interviewing prospective parents about what type of birth they wanted to have for their, for their uh, baby. Uh, you know, you could have a straight hospital birth with the white lights and the slap on the butt, or you could have a midwife birth at home 
or you could have the best of both worlds where you could have a midwife but in a hospital setting. San Francisco General Hospital pioneered that in the late 70s. I mean, now it's everywhere, but they were the first hospital to really do that. And they hired us to do a film to show to prospective parents the options that they had. Mm -hmm. So I spent almost a year doing nothing but running all over the Bay Area filming uh, childbirths, filming interviews before the birth, then filming the live birth, and then filming the parents' reactions afterwards. And that became a a film that might even be still used today. I'm not sure. But anyway, that, so what happened was that project just about killed me because I could not have a normal life. I would work for three or four days in a row with no sleep and then nothing would happen for three days. And then another two, you know, it was not a way to have a good relationship and it was just kind of a schizophrenic lifestyle. So I decided after that, that I just, I didn't really want to do that anymore. And I had been traveling to Tucson between projects and staying with high school friends of mine here uh, and one day I was sitting across the street uh, at where it was the Egg Garden uh, over there on 4th Avenue near the Dairy Queen and uh, saw a for rent sign across the street, went over, uh, called the number, Sal's going to met me over there, and I rented the space for $235 a month. Um, I mean, I, I, I basically opened the gallery on an impulse and a kind of a whim uh, without, you know, without any real good plan about about how to do what I was going to do. I, I, I went back to uh, San Francisco after I signed that lease and I told my girlfriend, I said, hey, we're moving to Tucson. Her, her response was, you're moving to Tucson. I'm not moving to Tucson. So she didn't. Um, I opened the gallery and, you know, kind of made it up as I went along. Um, the first few years were really tough because I, I did not really understand what the summer meant here. Because uh-huh. I'd never really spent a summer here. So, you know, the first summer was kind of a rude awakening about, you know, nobody was coming in the gallery and I didn't have air conditioning. And so <laughs> I decided those first few years that I would uh, not wait for people to come to me, but I would go to them. And so back then in the early 80s, if you wanted to see a museum curator, they probably weren't going to come see me. And there was no Internet yet. So the only thing to do was to get in the car and drive and see them physically. So for three years in a row, the first three summers, I loaded up my car and I drove from Tucson to St. Petersburg, Florida, all the way up to Boston, across the Midwest and back. And I would stop at every museum I could along the way and uh, and show, you know, show prints. And I was successful doing that. To, uh, enough to where you know I would sell stuff and it would get me to the next place and the next place and I started meeting all these people some of whom I still deal with today uh, that are still curators or still around um, but those early road trips really kind of set the groundwork for what would become you know my business and uh, you know that I mean it was kind of I did it kind of out of necessity um, and I've told this story and I'll just tell it briefly what I here's what I did I, I sat down with a map I sat down with the Eastman House Guide to Photographic Collections, which at the time was a little a book that uh, had a list of all the public collections that had photographs in the U.S. with the list of artists like Ansel Adams and how many prints, and then the curator's phone number. I mean, there was no email, so you just call them. So I, I had the Eastman House Guide to Photographic Collections, a roadmap, a calendar, and a Major League Baseball schedule. <laughs> I had the Major League Baseball schedule because I'm a really big baseball fan, and I always have made it a goal to see every, to be in every single ballpark. So the first year, for example, I went, I went to 17 different ballparks while I was in, in Houston, you know, showing work there. I was in Denver, or 
Atlanta, wherever I was. So I would try to make sure that the team in that city was at home when I came through. And so for three years, that's what I did. I did these epic road trips and got to see a lot of baseball stadiums and, uh, you know, got my name out there. And, and if uh, doing some research, I mean, you've got a connection with uh, the Antique Roadshow. Is that correct? Were you an appraiser? Yeah, I did the Antiques Roadshow a couple times, you know, as a photo expert. It was a lot of fun. Um, the, it, I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, company. Those guys are so well organized and they're just such professionals. It was really fun to work with them. Um, but the only, <laughs> the only downside to it is once you do the Roadshow, you're on their website. And so I get still today i get lots and lots of inquiries uh that are somewhat crazy like oh i have another great big picture of billy the kid and you know stuff like that um just the stuff that's just that people think they have something really valuable when in fact they don't and they don't want to hear that it's not valuable that's not what they want to hear so but the road show is interesting it sent me i i've i've made some clients and made some contact that way you know and i I'd, I'll, I'll probably do it again they keep asking me but you know, the way it goes is they ask you to go wherever they want you to go, whenever they want you to go, and they don't, nobody gets paid and nobody's expenses are covered. It's, it's purely voluntary. So, right. like, they, you know, they'll tell me, like, oh, yeah, we want you to go to Corpus Christi in July. I said, no, I don't think so. How about San Diego in January instead, you know? You're like, there's no baseball in Corpus Christi in July, so I'm not going. No, and it's <laughs> terrible there, you know. It's like, it's like I, I, I guess, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of one of the low men on the totem pole as far as photo experts, so uh, they've offered me some stuff I've turned down. Um, but if the right thing comes along, I'd be happy to do it again. Well, from Antique Roadshow to downtown Tucson, uh, we will be back to our interview with Terry Etherton in just a few moments. First, I want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. All right, welcome back. We're going to finish up our interview with Terry Etherton of Etherton Gallery. And uh, we heard his backstory. Now we're going to hear about what the future holds for the gallery, including a move out of their current location. You had mentioned earlier that, you know, there's things that you did that, uh, you know, for technology and video and stuff, you would never, you wouldn't operate in the same manner. I mean, that's, I would have to imagine that, I mean, your collections and, and, and how you curate has changed dramatically with the technology over the years. Oh, completely. I mean, now, you know, what I do now, what I spend most of my time on, probably 95% of my time is spent in front of my computer, you know, answering emails, sending out solicitations, building up our website, you know, all of the stuff that, that, that we can do remotely. It's become, the, the, the location of a brick and mortar gallery now has become less important than it was 10 or 15 years ago because of the internet and because of art fairs. Um, now, we haven't done an art fair in almost two years, and I don't know when we'll do our next one, but those became really, really important. I was asked to join the Association of International Photography Art Dealers in 1985 and did my first show with them, and I've done it ever, every year since until COVID. So, you know, every year we'd be in New York on a, on a stage with some really big-time galleries, you know, on an equal footing. So we were able to put ourselves out there in front of a huge audience. We did Paris Photo five years in a row in Paris, France, the the last five Novembers, but that's been put on hold also. Yeah. So th those art fairs really, really helped establish us. Um, I mean, in Paris, for example, it, it, that's an extremely hard show to get into, and they get about 75,000 people come through. So if you're in that fair, 
uh, you there's an instant uh, there's an instant sort of assumption of credibility, or you wouldn't be there. And uh, you know those fairs have kept us going. Um, you know, like I said, now because of COVID, uh, we haven't done a fair, and well, I guess it's probably been about a year and a half since we did our last one. And I don't see anything in this coming year either. So, right. you know, the, the, my world's changed that way. We're having, but 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 because we're not doing these four, three or four art fairs a year, we're able to focus on other things like the website, and we have uh, we have a lot of material posted on on two big kind of umbrella websites. One's called Artnet. And one called one's called Artsy, and those have really been important, uh, keeping us in the game because those are people largely European that find us on the internet and uh, you know occasionally buy things and you know uh, that. So we we put a big effort into this sort of thing while while you know the traffic is a little bit slow here and while we're not doing art fairs. Well, after eight years. Uh in the Fourth Avenue area, you moved downtown, and you've been in that location now for 32 years. It's kind of an iconic spot. Um, I think if you're if you're driving up Sixth, you're, you're going to recognize uh, what was Yanos's uh, downtown kitchen and cocktails and the Atherton Gallery. You guys occupied that building for some time together. Yeah, Yanos was here for about 10 years, you know, and I have to say that was one of the best 10 years for us. I could imagine there is just not a better neighbor than than Yanos Wilder. I mean, we did a lot of collaborations together, and you know, we had all of our uh, pre-opening dinners for artists down there, and we hung art down there. We just had a great relationship together. So, you know, it's kind of the end of the era of this building. I mean, you know, they they left, and uh, and we're leaving, and so, you know, uh, it, but it's been a good 33 years here. You know, I uh, a lot of things have happened here, hundreds of shows, and you know, just an incredible amount of things that have gone on here. But, you know, it's, ti- it's time to move. Well, let's talk about the new location because that, that seems, uh, in talking with you, it seems like it's a, a, a much, uh, it's going to be a fantastic space. Well, I think, I think so, Tom. The, uh, you know, the, the, the situation here at the gallery is that, you know, we don't, we're on a second floor walk-up, as you know. Um, that is, as, as I get older and my clients get older and, or my artists get older, that's become more and more of an issue. Uh, I mean, we get calls all the time and people say, you know, we'd like to come down as a wheelchair accessible and we have to say no and then explain that, you know, we're just tenants here. We're not the landlords and we can't afford a $200,000 elevator. Um, so we are getting to the point where that was becoming more and more of an issue. And uh, I, you know, for the last four or five years, I've been looking to try to find a place close to where we are now. I don't want to move out of downtown. I I mean, I don't care how great the space is. If it's more than about a half mile from where I'm sitting right now, I'm just not interested. But the problem with finding a space downtown is, A, you can't find a space downtown. And even if you do, the build-out is just crazy expensive on it. So we were never able to find the right thing until uh, this space at 340 South Convent became available about a year ago. I found out about it. Um, The space on Convent was built in 1987 by a big big collector and wonderful human being named bill small he built the he built that space to house his collection to to house it and put it on display uh so it was set up as a gallery um to you know for his private collection and to have a lot of his collection on display and he would have openings and invite people in so it's almost a turnkey operation it's already track lit 
you know, it's got a it's got a uh, loading dock, it's got a patio, it's got a beautiful kitchen. Uh, there's we don't have a whole lot of build out to do in there, and uh, fortunately for us, the Rawlings family have been unbelievably generous and kind with me, uh, allowing us to get into that space without spending a lot of money and, and, and giving us a chance to get established. So they, without their generosity, there's no way I may, I would be able to make this move. Well, it's, it sounds like it's going to be more accessible and uh, a great space for the public to come see you. Well, yeah, and you see what's going on down there. You know, the new double trees about to open, you know, and uh, the coronets around the corner. And, you know, in that block that we're in, they're renovating all of those buildings just, you know, just on the other side of the street from uh, 340. So I just feel like that's really the place to be right now. Uh, and we have parking for about 30 cars, so there's no parking issues there. Fantastic. And what's the, what, what do you project as the opening date? Well, here's our plan, Tom. Uh, we have to be out of this space uh, by the end of May. So what we're going to do is close the gallery the month of May, and we're, we will be moving during the entire month of May. Um, during that time, once we get everything out of here that we can get into the other space, uh, whatever's left, we're just going to sell off the furniture and have a big book sale and just clear a lot of stuff out in May. So May will be open, but it'll, it won't be... Uh, It'll be a little bit of a, I don't know, uh, it will be in transition, let me put it that way. Um, what we plan to do then in the summer is we'll have a show up, people can come in. We'll be doing some build-out, uh, but not a lot. We hope to have most of the build-out done by, by uh, the end of May. And then we plan to open in the middle of September, which will be our 40th anniversary show. It will announce our new location, and we're doing a solo show by a New Mexico artist, uh, Joel Peter Whitkin, somebody we've worked with for decades. So that's the plan, is to do a big, you know, big splashy thing in the fall, and hopefully by then, uh, you know, I think that, you know, we can have an opening, and there'll probably be masks required, but I, I'm hoping we can have a somewhat normal kind of opening. Oh, good. Well, we, we caught you at the right time here, so you'll be closed down for, well, not closed, but you'll be transitioning during May. Get anything set yeah. up, and then and then we'll uh, we'll certainly touch back as we get closer to the fall and and share the details of that opening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we, we're we're getting ready to produce a, a press release about our move, just telling everybody what's going on. Great, and I, I appreciate that uh, in all of this effort to move that you were were very aware and very conscious of staying downtown. And you know, listen, I I'm a downtown person. You know, I like to be able to walk, and I like I really like living in an urban setting. I mean, I have. You know, we have a lot of friends who live up in the foothills, and I get all of that, but I don't want to have to get in my car to go to the grocery store, you know, or something like that. Um, so now, I mean, now I feel like, you know, turning 70 with a new house and a new gallery space, it's all just like, I mean, I feel so energized by this, I can't tell you. It's almost, I feel like a little kid again, you know. It's all new and exciting, and everything's going very smoothly. And uh, the nice thing about this is that, the, because the Rawlings family have been unbelievably generous, we have time to do the gallery thing. I don't feel rushed, you know, like we have to just get everything out of here all at once. We have plenty of time to do this slowly. So, you know, that's all working out really well. Yeah, 
the whim you started in 1981 looks like it's got some legs, so you should stick with it. I think at some point you might have some success. You never know. Well, you know, Tom, when I when I started the gallery, I didn't look further than like a year ahead because I, I mean, I when I opened the gallery, I knew a little bit about a lot of things. I, I knew I knew about lighting, I knew about framing, I knew about matting, I knew about graphic design. You know, I didn't know. I, I wasn't an expert in any of those areas, but I knew just enough about that to make me believe that I could do this on my own. <laughs> you know, it took me a while to figure out that I can't do it on my own and I needed help. And, you know, along the way, I've had tremendous help. Well, it's been a remarkable 40 years and look forward to uh, the next chapter for uh, Atherton uh, for the gallery. We are not going anywhere. <laughs> Amen. All right, well, Terry, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you the best of luck. And we'll certainly touch back uh, as we get closer to your, uh, your, reop- your opening in, uh, in September. Okay, thanks a lot, Tom. All right, enjoy your day, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Terry Etherton of Etherton Galleries, and I certainly appreciate his intentionality of finding a new spot and, and waiting for the right opportunity so he can keep his gallery downtown. And now that it's there, it sounds like it's going to be a really good uh, opportunity for the gallery to expand and attract even a new set of uh, patrons. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. Well, that's going to do it. Episode number 149 is in the books. Thank you to Terry Etherton giving us the backstory and the future of Etherton Galleries. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to have uh, some folks on from the Presidio Museum. Been operating here in Tucson since 1776, just a, a short while. And they have uh, come back after COVID with some activities for uh, adults and a, a summer camp for the kids. So tune in next Sunday to learn more about that. And as always, if you've got a topic for us, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or send us an email at contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. And uh, let us know what we should be sharing. You know, we're trying to uncover hidden gems. Sometimes they're so hidden we can't even find them. So we are looking for your help. Well, we're going to leave you today with some music in honor of uh, the Etherton Gallery. This is a song from the 70s with Jim Croce. It's uh, Photographs and Memories. Seems to fit very well with our theme today. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you've been listening to Life Along the Streetcar and Downtown Radio. And I hope you tune in next Sunday for another exciting episode. Have a great week.